you know, as Christians, we have to understand and, and be real with where we are. That's what we have to see first, individually. And what where our mindset is and what we desire. Airing the Addisons. I think what God is really calling us back to, it's those individual personal revivals in our own lives where we're like, oh Lord, what have we done? We have minimized you. Promoting truth, wisdom, and empowerment. As the church, man, we should be on the forefront yes. of making disciples, of indoctrination and godly things. If we don't train our kids, they will not be able to stand. Uh-oh. Uh-oh. Erin Addison's. On American Family Radio, thank you so much for listening. I'm Miki. And I'm Will. And Pat and Jay Mack are on tap to help us navigate the show. We appreciate you listening. Uh, what a great conversation we had yesterday Yeah. Um, as we were talking about or asking the question, uh, whose children are they? Whose mm. children are they? And uh, Rebecca Friedrich uh, joined us to discuss this documentary that's coming out in the spring. We're going to revisit it. Um, I think it's important for us to keep our foot down on the gas and um, making sure that parents understand what is at stake and doing our best to uncover the darkness that seeks to rob your kids of their innocence. Um, I I just personally don't think that we can talk about this too much because I think that the confusion and even the wrestling away of our children, I think it grows in that darkness in, in the, you know, we won't talk about it, won't say much. And I think it just continues to grow. Mm. And so anyways, um, we'll continue to draw as much attention to this, um, as much attention to this as we can. Yeah. Uh, one thing I want to follow up with is, wouldn't you know it, that yesterday after we were done with the show, um, you know, checking news stories, and then, not, no, not yesterday, this morning, this earlier this morning, I came across a news article from NBC News, NBC News, and... Um, and I thought it was so interesting. Now, you have to keep in mind here, and which, by the way, we're going to talk about the re-release of The God Who Speaks. Mm-hmm. M.D. Perkins is going to join us. And so um, we're going to make a shift in the second and third segments to talk about the authority of God's word and the reliability of God's word. And and really, I, I would say, and I'm kind of getting ahead of where I'm going to transition here, um, or segue, if you will. Uh, but I really believe that what we should have as our first aim when we talk about educating educating our kids we should have as our aim that we anchor them in the word of God first, Mm. first that we anchor them in the word of God first. So the source and the point of beginning for, for knowledge and learning and understanding is the knowledge of God. And, and you don't use the word of God um, as secondary to quote unquote real education, but that you take the totality of God's word and you teach your kids to trust God's word and to Mm. look to God's word. You show them how God's word is useful and applicable to our daily lives. And, and anyway, I just, I feel like maybe in some ways we've missed that because we have, um, we have descended into the rat race that is, we want them to be successful. We want them to be successful. And so it's all of the other things that we see as successful Mm -hmm. that we think, you know, the spiritual stuff is icing. We'll add that later. We'll add that later. Man. But like the cake, if you right. will, right. is is this, the, what we perceive to be secular education yeah. because we want them to be successful. And several things. One, I don't think those two things are in competition, mm-hmm. right? Because I don't think that you say, well, I'm pursuing the spiritual development of my kids so, um, so they can be, you know, 
imbeciles, right? Mm-hmm. Like they can just be buffoons. Like I, I, I think that's ridiculous. And I think if you're doing something for the glory of God, then you should have high expectations of your children, right? Yeah. If you are rearing them for the glory of God, you wouldn't put your kid in a situation where your kid is going to be like, oh, okay, well, I, okay, so I, I like I didn't know that five plus five. <laughs> it was 10. I didn't know that. But but do you know the three Hebrew boys who were thrown into the fiery furnace? Because right, I can tell right. you who they were. Do you understand what I'm saying? Because you're still you're you're still mocking the greatness of God. Right. To just kind of be lazy in that area. So I don't think that those two things are in competition. But when those two things find themselves in competition and they don't have to be. But I think when they find themselves in competition against one another, um, I think it's the things of eternity that lose. Those things always kind of like are overpowered by, I want my kid to have the house with the picket fence and the car and the children and the bragging rights. I want my kid to have that. And, and um, knowing God and adhering to his standards and making him known, those things do not get entered as exhibit A into the bragging rights. Yeah. Like those, those are not things. If you, and guys, don't take this the wrong way if you've done this, because sometimes we do this, we don't recognize that we're doing it. And so there's tremendous grace for mm. all of us all the time. I'm so grateful. There's tremendous grace. Yeah. But I want to warn you that if people start asking you about how your kids are, are doing, how are your kids... If you start with the temporal things, right, you perpetuate those things as important. If you say those things, excuse me, in the hearing of your children, Mm -hmm. you tell your children those things are important. If you have grown children (laughs) and they and people ask, man, how are your kids doing? And And you start with all the that's those are the. (sighs) Yeah. You know, I, I, I would say this. I was talking to a friend this morning. And about it was actually about these things. And Mm. uh, he mentioned, you know, because we were talking about Moses and Mm -hmm. I talked about that yesterday, how he was being reared by his mom before he went back to Pharaoh's house. But uh, my friend brought up about Daniel and the his companions, Mm -hmm. how they were uh, grounded, you know, in the things of God in in Yahweh, you know, Mm -hmm. But they were very excellent in their studies and they understood, you know, but it wasn't like this or that, but they Mm -hmm. were grounded in God, you know, so much so when they went to Babylon, they didn't fall away. They didn't, you know, just go into what the culture was there. But at the Mm -hmm. same time, they were being promoted and promoted because they were excellent in in the things that they were doing. So, yes, you know, yeah, we have. I think that's a perfect example. Yeah. Yeah. I, I think that's the perfect example because. Not only were they excelling in what we would consider um, natural achievement, right? Like Mm -hmm. they are appointed to serve the king directly and there's something that is extraordinary about them. But at the same time, even as they are excelling in this area, they are contending for the faith. They Mm. are contending Mm -hmm. for the protection of what they know Mm -hmm. to be the one true and living God. Like they are. And when I say protection, not like God needs us to protect, but the defense of the holiness of God. You know what I mean? Yeah. And so I think that is so important and we miss it because we feel like we've got to make our kids ready to compete in the world system. And and I totally understand that. I I have said this before and I'm going to say it again. Um, if you aim for the success that the world defines, mm-hmm. you may get kids who grow up um, 
knowing the Lord and making him known and have strong conviction, right? Mm-hmm. You may get that. I think it is far better to aim for that yeah. and allow God to fully take the reins of what their quote unquote natural success will look like, which I don't think there's really like this dark line line between the two. Yeah, I, I right. think that when you entrust your kids to the Lord, he has a plan and purpose for their life. And, and, and that's what I think parents get real like mm, iffy about. We're, we're mm. kind of like, you know, and, and, and uh, guys, okay, let's all put on like our still toes here. Okay. <laughs> because we tend to think as, as adult Christians, we tend to think that any, um, any definable success that we have in our life, we tend to think that we did that. Mm. So it doesn't become any type of intervention of God in our life. It's not according to his will. It's not according to his plan. It's, it's, this is what I wanted. Yeah. I saw it. I went after it and I did it. And if that is the way you see yourself as having arrived at success and you know what I mean when I say that, then it's going to be really difficult for you to entrust the life of your kid to this God you never had to need. Mm. But... And you get you get where I'm going here. But if you've always had to need him, if you've always relied on him, even in your academics, man, I'm, I'm going to tell you, I have I and I, I get so serious about this with the kids when they're facing something that's difficult for them to understand. They come across a concept that kind of like ah, it causes them to grit or just kind of white knuckle it a little bit. I will say, hey, did you pray? Or sometimes I'll say, you better pray. And sometimes I get, in fact, most of the time I get already did, Mm. already did, because you are leaning and depending on the Lord in everything that you do. You are leaning and depending on the Lord. And why am I doing it? I'm trying to lay that as a foundation because when they are outside of our home, we're trying to make them ready to live in the culture. We're not going to, they're not going to remain with us forever. Mm. Lord willing, they're not going to remain with us forever. Uh, amen. Amen. And amen again. It's the kind of amen you want to put a D on. Amen. Yes. Go forth and be successful. But but in the meantime, we're trying to ready them so that when they go out and they find themselves in situations where they kind of, it doesn't come to them kind of on first hand or first take what to do, right. that they understand the same God that they have trusted and depended on for as long as they can remember, he is still there. And he is still inviting them to come to him and to depend on him. You're, you're trying to get your kids just as you do with things in the natural, right? You begin by showing them, you model it for them, right. you do it with them. And then you're, you're, you're ready for the point where they've, you take the training wheels off yeah. and you're you no longer holding it. on to the back mm-hmm. of the seat, mm-hmm. right? Cause even once you take the training wheels off, there's a point where you're just kind of holding on to the back of the seat and it's so uncomfortable. Y'all know what I'm talking about. Mm-hmm. It's so uncomfortable. You're just like, balance come on because you want to stand up right and you want them even spiritually speaking sometimes yeah. as we are walking them through difficult things to process yeah. and asking them questions so they learn how to navigate life you're trying to teach them how to navigate life sometimes our kids ask us questions and then and will the great well let me ask you this you throw a question right back at them to get them thinking about this and to get them processing and and you know exploring scriptures that they know that speak to these issues and our kids can do it but we have not invited them into the opportunity to do it. Mm. We kind of have this picture and this plan for how they life, how their lives should look. And then that's going to be defined as success. Mm. 
Well, what I'm saying is because we have made that the highest achievement, um, we have weakened our defenses. Yeah. We have lowered, we have dropped our defenses, right? Yeah. Like we have said, um, because the only way they can get the success that I define as success is through public education or government school education, then I can only subject them to this because I can't trust anything else. And again, not that I'm saying that there's a a split there, that it's one or the other, but go ahead. And I'll just say that the thing too, I was talking to a friend this morning again, and Mm -hmm. about education, like we've been raised in this way that this is the way you're supposed to do it. You go to school, you know, and there has to be a, 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 a renewing of the mind for parents, you know, like to yeah. see that there's there's more than one way because we we have yeah. been raised to think there was one way you go to this school That's you do right. it this way you know but mm-hmm. man you know I think even the parents have to be retrained that no you don't have to give over your responsibilities you know to the government school you know there are other options you know even That's right. if you're not uh, per se homeschooling what can, what else can we do. You know, and yes. and that's where the churches come in as well. What else can we Amen. do? Because I, I was telling my friend, I said, man, we have a mission, uh, a budget for everything. But what about for mm-hmm. our children? You know, yeah. what about for yeah. our children? What about our buildings that sit uh, vacant, you know, during the week? Mm-hmm. How can we utilize those things to help um, if we want to, if we see what's going on? And we're mm-hmm. like, man, we have to take our children out of this environment well, there's some things that we can do as the people of God, you know, and don't have to That's wait right. on other things to come through, you know? You know, it's a, and, and it's been a collection of um, scenarios and I guess tradition that has kind of led to this collective moment that we're in. Um, as we were talking about yesterday, um, um, Dewey and his communist yeah. desires and all, it would only make sense that we would, all of us look for the last century that all of us would have this idea or this notion that our kids have got to be baptized through this school system. Like mm. there's no way that they can go out into the larger society unless they are baptized <laughs> in the school system. Well, that's, that is kind of by design. The right. thinking is that, yeah, in order to have the kind of people we want, they got to they got to take our courses. Right. They got to do what we tell them to do. They got to learn what we tell them to learn. Math is no longer just logic, right? Math also has a social component to it. Like it has something to do with the color of your skin or your mm. neighbor next door or what you inherited from your parents or right. what you didn't inherit. And right. and look. These are the things that have led to the destruction of our kids who grow up to be adults and and you have this big picture look at a country that is destroyed. Yeah. All right. If we want better results, we've got to do better stuff. Yeah. Aaron the Addison's American Family Radio. We'll be right back. Yeah. When you lead the way, there's not a thing that can come in between us. Giving me faith so that I won't give up. Show. Welcome back to Aaron the Addison's on American Family Radio. I'm Miki. And I'm Will, and that is Five Lead the Way. Hey, before we move on, I have to show this picture here. Okay. And Sam Witt, he said, man, show this to all the people. <laughs> this, is, this is his version of, this is the American flag he was trying Look to. Look how sweet. He I said, Daddy, him. you got to show him. I said, okay, I'll, I'll show him. 
Ace is five. I love him. He said, I tried so my much. best. <laughs> I love him so much. I just want people yeah. to know we did go over the actual course. We did. We did. I just feel like <laughs> I have to make sure that people understand. Isn't that sad? Like, I mean, he's not a reflection of me, more a reflection of Will in a situation like this. But I do want to say we did discuss the colors of the stars and stripes. We did. Um, but that's that's his perspective, and I just love it. And we'll keep it forever, <laughs> by God's grace. We'll keep we'll keep it forever. We've got so many of those that we can pull out at the right oh time for all the kids. <laughs> Man, so many of those. Yes. Uh, welcome back to the program. Um, today's program is brought to you by the letter C, the letter <laughs> okay. C for Cree emotion. Um, <laughs> C did you take some? I sure did. Okay. I don't know if you can tell, but there's a little bit of different flow here happening. Um, let me just say this, and then we're going to move on and talk to our brother, MD. Um, a few years ago, because Will the Great mentioned this yesterday, we used to do the morning show, three hours of conversation, if you can believe that. <laughs> Will just going on and on and on for three we had, hours. We had a lot guys. more music, too, though. So you know. Anyway, still quite a bit of talking. Um, and I used to get these hacking fits, like especially you know trying to get over a cold or allergies or whatever, and it would just last forever. And one dear sister said to me, I'm going to tell you what will knock that cough out immediately, but you're not going to be happy about it. <laughs> and I'm like, just tell me. I don't care. Well, she she goes, Cree emulsion. And I was like, what? And she's like, well, I'm going <laughs> to... I'm going to have to text it to you so that you can get it. And here's where you're going to go to get it. It's one of those. Okay. You're not just going to go, you know, and she goes, here's where you're going to go to get it. And she goes, it's not going to taste good, but it is going to almost immediately begin to knock that cough out. And, um, she was right. And this has been several years ago and, <clears throat> and I try to resist taking it, but just this morning, Will the Great said, have you taken anything for the cough? And I was like, eh, you know, silver. And he goes, Cree emulsion. <laughs> so hey. I took some and it's already helping. Like it has already reduced the need, the urge to cough. Like you guys know, let me tell you something, that embarrassing cough that you know, there's nothing wrong with you. But every time you cough, somebody's like Omicron, <laughs> Delta. And then people have gotten really creative. They're like, Epsilon? We don't, we don't know what it is. They don't know. So every time you cough, people think that you have some type of contagion. New variant. Yeah. New variant. Um, anyways, <laughs> welcome back to the show. Um, I do appreciate you listening. And uh, we're going to talk about the re-release of The God Who Speaks. Man, M.D. Perkins mm -hmm. joins us, and he's in studio with Will the Great. And we're going to talk about the re-release of this documentary that American Family Studios released several years ago. We'll get the exact date. Um, we'll talk about the voices in it, why it's important mm. for us to return to the authority of Scripture, and why at this moment is it important to re-release this documentary, The God Who Speaks. MD, thank you so much for joining us. Well, thank you, guys. It's always good to be with you. And you are the director and producer of this documentary, The God Who Speaks. Can you tell us a little bit about, kind of take us back, when was it released? When did you guys begin working on it? Um, the the idea for it? Why did you find it important to do this? And then um, we'll fast forward to when it was actually released the first time. The, uh, the original conception of the idea probably goes all the way back to 2015. And then in 2016 is when we really started to do a lot of the research and start to figure out uh, some of the logistics of what it would take to produce a film project like this. Yeah. And then we started doing the interviews during that time. And it took a solid year of editing and going through all the finishing touches of through the music and uh, and all of that stuff, the mm -hmm. motion graphics, 
and there's a lot of motion graphics in this movie. I, mm-hmm. That was a, actually a pretty cumbersome part of it. But the, so all of that then was leading up toward a, a release that we were thinking would be in 2017. And we, we had a public screening in, in, uh, in Charlotte, North Carolina at the, North, at the National Conference on Christian Apologetics. Had a great response there. And then we decided to, to hold back on the release publicly until it had kind of gone through a lot of our initial donors. And so 2018 is when most people who are listening or who are familiar with the project would have first been introduced to the God who speaks. And so since 2018, I mean, we've seen a lot of things happen. We've seen a lot of decline (laughs) in the, not just in the nation. I mean, obviously Mm -hmm. we could talk about politics, but in the church and the amount of confusion and chaos and and even the the voices that you used to think you could trust yeah right you find that you can't really trust them or you have to have oh, certain caveats indeed. or you have to be discerning when you listen <laughs> Come on. yeah i mean yeah. It, it's crazy it just shows yeah, how much the yeah. word is a stabilizing force and when and once you move away from that you get all off course like yeah. you Come know on. all these ideas and thoughts that are in man's mind begin to prevail you know That's and right. the word of god is pushed to the back yeah. It, it's like you have this this thing where you're now you're doing you may post this what was once believed to be like a solid Bible teacher. But you have to say, you know, this is from 2011. Mm-hmm. This is from 20, like <laughs> right. to, and you <laughs> have you have to kind of like give this disclaimer that today I'm not sure that he adheres to the integrity of the scriptures. Um, but in 2012, this is what he was doing. So then, but let's get back to the God who speaks because there are so many voices here, um, theologians who are speaking to the inerrancy of the word of God and the fact that God has preserved his word. So as you guys were working on this project, and I, I would imagine that you begin with a lot of prayer, how do you know which voices you're going to feature? How do you know um, what sorts of questions to answer to or to ask to get the answers that you're seeking? Yeah, that's that is one of the most important parts of this project. And it was something that took a great deal of time. Obviously, the research is there. But like you alluded to, I mean, you have to saturate this whole project in prayer. You can't mm-hmm. you can't just rush out there in your own strength and think you're going to be able to work your way through all the details. Right. Mm-hmm. So. The the guiding principle for me when it came to choosing who would be a part of this documentary, obviously everyone has their favorite Bible teacher, everyone has a great pastor, mm-hmm. you know, they, they have all these people they could recommend, and we got plenty of recommendations from people, <laughs> but I wanted to focus on the people who I knew had made a public stand for the authority of Scripture, Amen. Um, people who had written on this subject in depth, or people who had studied the issue uh, in, in some degree very specific to one of the theological, apologetic, or practical categories we were going to focus on. And then, you know, just who would be able to, who, who could we end up getting around to, to yes. fitting into this? And, you know, interestingly, there's some people who didn't end up making it in there. Okay. And now I'm glad that they didn't. Mm. Wow. Um, because <laughs> God's hand was at work. Come I mean, on. I'll tell you, like, the BD <laughs> Anyabuile was actually oh. on the list. Oh. Um, yeah, I'll name <laughs> drop and so? just like. <laughs> Ron Burns. I'll just go in there. <laughs> I was actually this supposed is, to. This is why MDs are friend. You know, know. we just kind of believe. Like Let's just is. go don't ahead mean, and hey. tell it as it actually hey. is. I mean, there's no That's need amazing. to hide. Yeah. No, there's not. There's no. Why do we need to dance around it? Because 
obviously there has been a departure in his belief in mm-hmm. the authority of scripture yeah. in all circumstances, like applied to every situation that we face. He yeah. now believes that we should go outside of scripture for dealing with partiality. Yeah. So, I mean, that's a huge departure <laughs> yeah. from the authority of the word of God. But go ahead. So so that was one of your one of your thoughts. But then, no. Yeah. So the. So then the, the main people that then we were focusing on and we were able to get are people like Alistair Begg, Erwin Lutzer, Josh McDowell, Kevin DeYoung, Alex McFarlane, Frank Turek. Uh, some people may know, hopefully, John Oswalt or Dan Wallace. Uh, those were two new names for me. And Dan Wallace is one of the foremost scholars on the manuscripts of the New Testament. A lot of seminary mm-hmm. students might know that name, but your average Christian probably won't because he's mm-hmm. actually there you know, in the archives looking intently over the ancient manuscripts to try and and preserve those things and make sure that they're accurately uh, being represented there and um al moeller and we we got one of the one of the late you know toward the end of their life interviews with both rc sproul and norman geisler and those were two two big interviews for me that just i mean they're they're great men of god they mean a lot to me personally they were Mm -hmm. shaping influences on my parents and on me as a young christian so yeah. it was just an honor and a privilege to be able to speak with them about such weighty matters of, of the Christian life. That's amazing. Awesome. So, so then tell me this, MD, as you're working through, um, I don't know if you call it the script or how, how you go about um, securing the types of responses that, that you're aiming for. Tell me about some of the questions that are asked of these scholars. And then I want to make sure that we let our listeners know because of the re-release where they can go and watch it for free. I encourage you to not only watch it, watch it with your family. Um, But can we talk about some of the questions that this documentary will answer? Yeah. When you're working on a documentary like this, you're trying to figure out structurally, what are you trying to communicate? Make sure that you're able to hit all of those categories and also make Mm -hmm. sure that you have representation of each of the people that you're trying to interview at multiple points in the documentary. And so that's a challenge in itself, and it takes, you know, that forethought and planning. But some of those questions, I mean, we wanted to deal with questions of theology, apologetics, and the practical application. You know, I mean, when we're talking about the doctrine of the scriptures, so there has to be some kind of theological explanation. Mm-hmm. You know, explaining God's revelation. What do we mean when we use terms like inspiration, for instance, or mm-hmm. inerrancy? You know, those are particular theological terms that it's important for us as Christians, even though we're not PhDs or we don't, we're not in these debates, right. you know, at an academic level. Right. Mm-hmm. Those are still words that we use and we can understand and have a common language. That's so right. it was important for us to, to answer questions around those theological questions. And then for me, it was another important facet of this was the apologetic questions. How do, how do we know how we got our Bible? You know, answering some mm. of those objections from critics, you know, how, how can we be sure that this wasn't changed in a secret council somewhere in the fifth or sixth century? Or how mm-hmm. can we know that, why does the gospel of Thomas not in our Bible, but mm-hmm. it exists in the world? You know, what's that all about? Those kinds of things. So we wanted to be able to answer the apologetic questions. And then for me, because it's just so important as Christians, when we're talking about God, we're talking about the Bible. It's not just about reverencing a book or some artifact. Mm-hmm. It is about knowing the God of the Bible, the God who speaks to Amen. us, the God who loves us and has called us to himself in Christ. So there was a huge practical emphasis I wanted to have that was really intended to stir the unbeliever and the believer mm-hmm. to know and obey Christ. 
So all of those things together, I mean, we, we deal with questions of how we got the Bible, you know, <laughs> what do Christians mean when we call the Bible inspired? What happens when churches lose confidence in the Bible? I mean, that was a big question for me, you know, because that's how we, that's even why we're making the documentary. And can we be confident we have the words God meant for us to have? I mean, those are, that gives you kind of a, a sense of, of where we're coming from in this documentary. Okay, so I I really want to um, go back into um, sort of the square where I feel like the Lord has really given you the grace to be able to drill down and um, not only ask the big picture questions, but to also look at the application of the answers to those questions in real time. So this would be the apologetics, right? This would Mm -hmm. be giving a defense for what we believe, but also a defense for why we apply it. Because I think that's what's lacking today. Like when we say this is what the Bible says, I think people can kind of stomach that. But when we say this is now what I'm going to do because this is what the Bible says, Mm -hmm. I think people start to go, well, what makes it the final judge? Like what makes it the final authority? Like why do you have to do what it says? And, And so then you see the people who believe it to be just another book that you read, maybe a reference manual versus a person who believes that it is, um, God's living holy word that is totally um, applicable to their lives. So, for example, and and we can kind of go as the Lord leads, you brought up the question, what happens when the church loses confidence in the word of God? Let me ask you then, MD, what happens when the church loses confidence in the word of God? Well, what happens is the church drifts mm-hmm. and the church moves away from its first principles that the church becomes more focused on pleasing man and other people. And it, and frankly, it's worship becomes centered in that way. Mm. And so that, that is what happens time and time again. And it can look all kinds of different ways. Mm -hmm. It can look like the liberal church that has the rainbow flag, but -hmm. it can also look like a Christian church that is, you know, orthodox on paper, but is just about kind of maintaining the formality of the of the church and kind of the social club that it is or the, Come on. the collection of families who are there and they're the founding yeah. members or whatever, oh, you know, man. it can look all kinds of different ways. Yep. Mm. And it, it, it isn't just about orthodoxy. I mean, orthodoxy is essential to know that we're on the right path. But when you begin to lose away, you know, drift away from the, the foundational bedrock of the scripture, it begins to look like you're trying to please other people. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. And and I want to say, I, I think that when you think about what the Bible has revealed to us about our common enemy, MD, and I want to get your response to this. When you think about what the Bible reveals to us about our common enemy, um, you could almost understand why drift would be preferable to like just a steep sort of like cliff dive. Like drift mm. is preferable because you can keep people longer when you just drift. Like if you Sometimes were to. Sometimes it's unnoticed. Like it's it, kind of until you get to a point where it's yes. like, oh, how did we get here? Exactly yeah. right. Yeah. So like a person would leave a church who says we are appointing our first homosexual pastor. 
A person might leave that church pretty quickly, but a person might stick around if they're hearing teaching that we need to, you know, carve out special spaces Mm. for people who are same sex attracted, for people who are, quote unquote, gay identified. We need to make sure that we're not being exclusive. We need to be loving and we need to be compassionate and we need to make sure that we have spaces just like we have spaces for, you know, um, single moms and we have spaces for this. We need to make sure we have spaces. I think people start hearing stuff like that. And they think that the person speaking is saying the same thing that they are thinking. And they may be thinking biblically. So they're thinking, yeah, we love people. We want to nurture them to help. We want them to grow in their knowledge of God. But that's not actually what the person is saying. What the person is saying, no, leave the person right there in their sin and let's make them comfortable with a nice carved out space. Now, that's the setup. That's the setup. When we get back on the other side (laughs) of the break, we're going to bring it home. Welcome back to American Family Radio. I am Miki. This is Aaron the Addisons, by the way. I'm Miki. And I'm Will, and that's Forever Jones, but you are welcome. Our guest today is M.D. Perkins. We are talking about the re-release of AFA's award-winning documentary, The God Who Speaks. The effort is, or the attempt is, to help Christians answer crucial questions regarding the reliability and the authority of God's Word. Uh, And for a limited time, you can watch The God Who Speaks for free. M.D. Perkins, how can our listeners do that? Please go to thegodwhospeaks.org, thegodwhospeaks.org, and you can watch the documentary for free. It will click over to our streaming platform. If you haven't connected with that to this point, uh, you can fill out a little bit of registration info there, but it's completely free for you to sign up for that. Thegodwhospeaks.org. Yep. Thegodwhospeaks.org. Uh, you can watch it for free, thegodwhospeaks.org. Before we went to the break, we were talking about what happens when a church loses or when the church loses confidence in the word of God, the authority mm-hmm. of the word of God. And you mentioned that the church starts to drift. Um, I think the subtlety of the drift is what has kind of caught many people unaware. Uh, MD, and this is what I was driving at long form style. Um, <laughs> I know that you have done a deep dive into researching um, so-called gay Christianity. It um, cropped up yeah. as uh, a movement, but it began very subtly kind of just beneath the waters. You know, a few people kind of um, teaching some things, writing some blogs on some websites until before we knew it. We had a revoice conference <laughs> that became a revoice movement. And maybe maybe there was something that happened even between that. But talk a little bit about how the authority of the word of God and the reliability of the word of God keeps us from error like this movement. Yeah, the the scriptures are our foundation and bedrock for everything we say and do as a church, everything we say and do as Christians. So it has to come back to that. But there is that that little um, temptation or the the introduction that comes out there. You know, I have a paper called A Little Leaven which deals mm. with the revoice movement. I mean, that gives you an, an idea of what I'm talking about here. We're talking about this little seed that gets planted that suddenly is impacting a lot greater things than you initially thought it was. Yes. But it begins with this subtle question about um, maybe the scripture isn't sufficient to speak on all matters. Mm-hmm. You know, So it, it doesn't come at the authority of scripture. It says, oh, we believe in the scriptural authority, but what about the sufficiency of scripture? Is scripture really sufficient mm. to tell us how we should think about 
all things. It doesn't mean, obviously, Scripture doesn't teach us everything that God created in this world, Mm -hmm. but the Scripture should undergird our entire philosophy and worldview and approach to all of these things. And so when it comes to a question like sexual orientation, like you're alluding to in talking about this gay Christianity movement, that was where they started to come in because they said, well, the Bible talks about homosexual behavior, but it doesn't talk about orientation. So we can take all of the worldly secular definitions of orientation and then use that to define what we mean and what we're talking about, and then we can bring that then back to the Scripture and then kind of analyze the Scripture through this lens that now we've appropriated from the world. And so Mm. that's how these kinds of things happen. It begins with that that kind of subtle insufficiency of the Bible kind of Mm -hmm. viewpoint. Like you think that there's that there's something secular psychology is more apt to tell you about regarding these temptations or or passions or desires that a person has, you think that the, the Bible is not sufficient to actually tell you how you should understand that, but secular psychology can. Mm. And so mm. then you, you go to that as your source of wisdom, and it begins to impact all of the decisions in, that you're making further downstream regarding uh, your church worship, how you're interacting with people, even how you talk about the gospel and how you present the gospel to people. All of that gets impacted from that initial seed. Wow. (laughs) Man, it sounds eerily similar to um, an origin story. Oh, I don't know. Sort of like a beginning question of the authority of God's Mm -hmm. word. Like, I don't know. Did God say like it sounds yeah. very similar? Like, can we really trust? Like, I mean, you know, do you really need to go with that? I, I want to do this at this point, though. Um, I want to harken back or kind of um, I, I want to share something with you and then kind of go back to a show that we did um, last week. I think it was last week where we were talking about the rainbow. And um, I, I said in one of those shows Um, you've got people who are practicing homosexuality. People are calling themselves Christians. They are calling themselves uh, gay Christians. And I said, the Bible allows no space for that. And so I had a question or we got a question on our airing the Addison's page and will the great actually drew my attention to it. And he said, someone's got a question about something you said. And he told me the mark to listen to in the program. So I went and did that. And then I read the question And I responded to the individual, but I'm hoping that you can help me with a response to this on air as well, Um, because I think that there may be some of our listeners who are not on social media, but may have similar questions. So I'm going to use this person's question, almost sort of like a proxy question so that we can get to Mm -hmm. a larger response. So this is what he said. He wrote, Miki, I wrote a question in a private message yesterday that has not yet been responded to. I'm very confused about something you said yesterday. In your video at the 11, 11 minute, 40 second mark, you state, quote, some homosexuals call themselves Christians, end quote. And the two of you attempt to make the case that a homosexual cannot be a Christian. Why would you say this? You seem to think it is so obvious you are right in what you are saying, but you are wrong. Why single out one sin and make it seem like it is unpardonable? Uh, who are you to judge that? Three question marks. So, MD, I'm going to ask you if you can help us um, by taking us to the word of God, the authority of the word of God, and proof text us that that we cannot claim to be both homosexual and Christian. Well, the first thing that I'll say is that the Bible speaks about homosexuality as a dishonorable passion. So that comes from Romans 1, verse 26. For this reason, God gave them up to dishonorable passions, and then so on and so forth. 
now that idea of dishonorable passions, I mean, that, the idea of passion there is not necessarily something that you are always even choosing to have. You know, it's, it's a feeling that the mind suffers is kind of the way in which the language is, is speaking about that. So someone can, can try and argue that, well, homosexual behavior is a sin, but this is talking about something that goes deeper than that, is go, going to the roots of desire. Mm-hmm. And so for someone to take on then to begin to identify themselves with their desires, mm-hmm. with their attractions, with their passions, is to move away from what God would actually have us to do, which is to form a separation point. And you see that separation point in Colossians 3. Let me just flip over here real quick. Sure. And um, just so I quote it accurately. Colossians 3, put to death, therefore, what is earthly in you, sexual immorality, impurity, passion, evil desire, and covetousness, which is idolatry. Now, there's a lot of descriptions that are given there, and not all of those are necessarily these conscious actions that someone is choosing to have or to go do. You know, But everything that is in there, Paul is saying, can be put to death. Mm. So there is some way in which you as a Christian, under the power of the Holy Spirit, submitting to the will of God and what you know God would have you to do, is supposed to put these things to death. And so with that in mind, why would you want to identify yourself with your desires and your passions? Why would you want to define yourself by your temptations if you belong to Christ? I mean, if you are a porn-addicted Christian, if you are an adulterous Christian, a thieving Christian, a lying Christian, nobody speaks that way because we recognize on its face that you are holding up two things that are incompatible and you are saying that you can be one and the other at the same time. Hmm. And then you have, you know, the the, the, the verse in First uh, Corinthians where it talks about, it gives a list and it's not just homosexuality. It yeah. talks about being effeminate. It talks about all kind of other sins. Yeah. You know, and they say they will not inherit the kingdom uh, of God. So, I mean, the kingdom of heaven. So what do you make of that? If if these people will not inherit the kingdom of heaven, I would say that they are not Christians. Right. So part of the issue then underneath that is that we've inherited this worldview ideology from the world that says sexual orientation is somehow a different category, oh, okay. that it, it it is something else that isn't impacted directly by being a Christian or having the Holy Spirit regenerate your heart and make you born again to a living hope. Mm -hmm. Somehow there's something else that's there that isn't impacted by that. Mm. And that's what the orientation myth is really all about. So let's give that uh, where people can go to watch, because I know last time we kind of just breezed (laughs) through, but I want to make sure that everyone can go uh, and and watch for free. Yeah. And so we want to want to do that. Yeah, The God Who Speaks is available through thegodwhospeaks.org, thegodwhospeaks.org. Please go there and watch the movie for free. It, mm. it connects into our AFA streaming platform, a brand new service that we're offering. And uh, you might have to register there, but once you do, you have access not only to this, but to lots of other free content that we have. And if you become a monthly donor, you can have access to even some additional layers of content now, that we have on there. Now, one of the things that we, we've talked about is like the critical race theory, the wokeness and all that kind of stuff. And I've said to you that I, I feel like these, the things like the gay Christianity and all of that, they're linked in a, in a certain way. Yeah. Um, and, and it seems like it has some of the same elements that it goes to the scripture and says, did God really say? And then it brings in other writings from outside and say, mm-hmm. well, these writers said that we should deal with things like that. Do you see that, that linkage there? And, and uh, what should we be looking out for as Christians when we're approaching these topics? Well, we, we want 
all of our thinking to be grounded and rooted in Scripture. Amen. So all of these things have this common thread mm-hmm. of thinking that these aren't directly these aren't topics that are directly addressed in scripture or that scriptural principles can only go so far they can't really tell us all the details and so there is some perceived value then in critical race theory as mm. some theory of <laughs> systemic oppression or a, a critique of history or all of these kinds of things or then you come to the gay christianity question and mm-hmm. it says that well you know the bible doesn't tell us about orientation so then we can take the secular category and kind of use it and appropriate it into the scriptural text and then use it to kind of critique or deal with certain things that we see in the church or ways in which we feel we feel victimized yeah. or oppressed. And that's where it comes back to. Like there's this selfish bent within this. There's this narcissistic, covetous bent that wants you, that wants me to be seen and appreciated for yeah. who I am and my unique struggle and what, what I feel like my... Uh, the ways in which I'm being slighted or not really being given a platform mm-hmm. or a position. And really that's a rejection of God's providence. Yeah. And that's a rejection of God's sovereignty. And that's an attempt to move out from underneath what God has. I mean, you know, Christians used to think in terms of stations, you know, mm-hmm. that God stationed you in a particular place. He gave you a calling and, you know, God's providence was at work in your life yeah. to, to where you are, how he made you male or female, you know, that determined certain aspects of your life. It wasn't a free-for-all, but you were kind of on these paths. Christians used to think in terms of that. Yeah. But you don't hear a lot of talk about stations or calling or those kinds of things much anymore. Hmm. And one, one other thing I was thinking about as far as uh, maybe the younger believers, a younger generation, it, it seems like some of the questions that they may have, they feel they may feel like, well, I'm not getting real good answers to this. And it seems like this movie provides some real great answers to some of those questions that have kind of served to 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 take some off, off out of the fate, you know? Yeah. And so, like, how important is it that the young people, uh, everybody but the young people, are able to watch this and, and ask their questions, but not only uh, ask the questions, but get proper answers so that their fate could be solidified? One of the most devastating things is the fact that we aren't rooted and grounded in the faith. Mm -hmm. And when that happens, then all it takes is just a single comment on social media. (laughs) Right. It may just be a, you know, a disembodied tweet. You, you don't have any connection to the person speaking. (laughs) Right. But then it causes this whole unraveling effect in the person's mind because they haven't really thought very deeply about these things. Yeah. And maybe that's a lot of their own fault. Maybe there was some parenting that should have happened there. Maybe the church was insufficient or maybe the person just rejected those things and was just content with a very shallow view of things. Mm. And so, you know, it comes down to like this whole deconstruction phenomenon that you're seeing and people who are suddenly questioning things that they, they seem very solid on years ago. Yeah. Um, you know, the, the God who speaks is intended to help uh, bolster our confidence in the scriptures you know, you don't have to be a PhD in order to defend the faith. That's yeah. one of the, the statements that I make often when I talk about it. You know, it, it's important to point Christians back to the fact that there are answers to these questions. Yeah. You know, a skeptic will throw it out there mm-hmm. and just kind of like a bomb and just leave the room without really recognizing <laughs> the damage that they left behind. Yeah. But there doesn't have to be any damage. We have answers to those questions. Yeah. You know, we have answers to, right. to so many of these objections that are just lobbed out there without much thought. Yeah, and that's uh, I, I saw recently there was a Christian rapper who was a part of a pretty prominent Christian rap group, uh, the Cross Movement. 
uh, he goes by Fanatic, and he put out a video saying that he had questions for years that uh-huh. he kind of suppressed them, you know, but then when he went to seminary and some things kind of came out, he those questions came back to the surface and he realized he didn't have proper answers. And so now he's walking away from the faith. And it's amazing. I'm like, man, 30-something years of ministry, he's like, uh, I wasn't really sure of, of all of that. Yeah. And we're seeing that, you know, and it's, it's very, it's, it's sad, you yeah. know. But um, guess, let's give that uh, uh, website one more time. Yeah, thegodwhospeaks.org, thegodwhospeaks.org. Go there and watch the movie for free. Okay. Um, one quote here I want to just wrap up with James Garlow and how God saves civilization. For if belief in the scriptures as the final authority of faith and practice is abandoned, the church loses touch with the word of God and will no mm. longer be reformed by its power. Oh. Just think about that. Yeah. Just think about that. Right. We're out of time until tomorrow. Lord willing. God bless. <laughs>